Hello, and welcome to the History of Japan podcast, episode 31, The First Shogun. This week, I want to take some time to deal with a figure who looms large in early Japanese history. Indeed, in many ways, he could be described as one of the most powerful figures in the history of the country. His name was Minamoto no Yoritomo, and he helped usher in the era of the samurai. His rebellion against an opposing government backed by the imperial court is generally described as the point at which government by the emperor in Kyoto ended, and government by the strongest among the newly risen samurai began. What kind of man could usher in these changes, and what does his life reveal about the nature of epochal change in Japanese history? I hope you find the answers interesting. If you do, I'll probably do two more of these episodes down the line for the other founders of the shogunal dynasties, Ashikaga Takauji and Tokugawa Ieyasu. Minamoto no Yoritomo was born in May 1147, near the modern city of Nagoya, much like another great conqueror of Japanese history who would live there 500 years later, Oda Nobunaga. He was the third son of Minamoto no Yoshitomo and his wife Fujiwara Suenori, a daughter of the aristocratic Kuge family known as the Fujiwara, which functionally dominated the day-to-day governance of Japan. Yoshitomo was the heir apparent to his father Minamoto no Tameyoshi, who was the head of the clan Yoritomo was born to, the Minamoto. Yoritomo was born a member of the Buke, or warrior families created from offshoot of the imperial clan. Originally, the bouquet system was used to give work to second and third sons of emperors, considered to be potential threats to the succession. These potential troublemakers, who could lead or become figureheads for a coup, were removed from the imperial family, but given something productive to do. They would fight for the imperial government, and it was felt that their imperial lineage would give them a special loyalty to the court. Various branches existed, but the two most powerful bouquet families were the Taira and Minamoto. Their influence vastly outstripped that of the other bouquet families. As tends to be common in such situations, the Minamoto and Taira did not like each other very much. They were set apart from the Kuge, the traditional aristocracy based in Kyoto who staffed the government. Kuge engaged in cultural pursuits and government and tended to shun military affairs. The first great turning point of Yoritomo's life came in 1156, when he was only nine years old. His family was rent apart by one of the great political upheavals of the day, the Hogan Rebellion. We don't need to get too much into the origins of the rebellion. Simply put, Kyoto was, at the time, run by the aristocratic Fujiwara family, and in 1156 the head of the Fujiwara died unexpectedly. The family was split on the issue of succession to the headship. The two sides proved irreconcilable and took up arms. The conflict split the Fujiwara, the Kuge, and even the imperial family, but the decisive factor was the decision of the powerful Taira family, the family of powerful buke or warriors opposed directly to the Minamoto, to intervene on behalf of one side. The Minamoto, meanwhile, were split. The leader of the family, Tameyoshi, wanted to oppose the side backed by the Taira. His son, Yoritomo's father, named Yoshitomo, wanted to join with the Taira and split the fruits of victory with their erstwhile rivals. The Minamoto thus also split into a short intra-family war, 
in the end, Yoshitomo, in combination with the rival Taira, was able to defeat his father and seize control of the clan. What happened to Yoritomo's grandfather is a bit unclear. When he realized he was defeated, Tamayoshi took vows and became a Buddhist monk, which usually protected one from further retribution. In this case, it didn't work. Tamayoshi was still seized and executed. The controversy comes from who ordered the execution. The family history stated that it was the Taira working through the emperor, but other records, and the ruthless application of logic, suggest that Tamayoshi was executed by the order of his own son. Either way, the cold-blooded execution of a Buddhist monk was unprecedented, and gave some credence to the idea we talked about back in the first Ikoiki episode, that Japan was entering a period of Buddhist decline, and that virtue didn't count for much anymore. Certainly the execution of his own grandfather cannot have instilled much of an interest in virtue in the young Yoritomo. However it happened, Tamayoshi's execution vaulted Yoshitomo to the top of the Minamoto, and Yoritomo soon found himself the third son of one of the two most powerful warriors in Japan. The glory of the Minamoto, however, was not long-lived. Having risen up to close to the top, Yoshitomo now desired to become master of the country, and one man stood in his way, the head of the powerful rival family of Buke known as the Taira, named Taira no Kiyomori. While Yoshitomo had done well out of the Hogan Rebellion, no one had done better than Kiyomori, having picked the right side early and taken the rest of his clan with him. Kiyomori was able to claim, not incorrectly, a position of primacy in the conflict and was rewarded with tremendous influence over both the sitting emperor and the retired emperor. Recall from the episodes in the Heian era that, because of the intense ritual requirements of the imperial title, many emperors who were actually interested in politics would retire after only a few years and try to run things from the shadows. One such man was the retired emperor Go Shirakawa, who was a key political ally of Taira no Kiyomori. Anyway, to get back to our main story, Yoshitomo would chafe under the rule of the Taira, and only three years later, in 1159, he would make his bid for power in what is known as the Heiji Rebellion. While Kiyomori and the vast majority of the Taira were away from Kyoto, Minamoto no Yoshitomo joined with some members of the Fujiwara, to launch a coup. The coup was initially successful, but when the Taira forces returned, Yoshitomo hesitated, unsure whether to attack, try and defend Kyoto, or retreat. Kiyomori took advantage of his hesitation to send his agents into the city, liberate the imperial family, and obtain an imperial grant to besiege the city and crush the Minamoto. Yoritomo's two elder brothers were killed defending the capital. His father Yoshitomo fled the city, but was betrayed and murdered in his bath by a retainer who saw which way the wind was blowing and wanted to be on the right side. According to legend, Yoshitomo saw his killers coming, and bewailing his lack of weapons to defend himself, undressed as he was, and muttered, if only I had even a boken, a boken being a type of wooden stick used to practice sparring, before being cut down by his assassins. His grave still exists in modern Aichi Prefecture, and the traditional gift to leave when one visits it is a boken. Anyway, being caught quite literally with his pants down, 
Yoshitomo's story went down as an example of why you should always be prepared. Some, however, took the story to unpleasant extremes. 500 years later, one of the more popular, though I should say unverified, legends surrounding the great swordsman Miyamoto Musashi was that he rarely bathed, in order to avoid the unpleasant fate of Yoshitomo. Getting back to our main story, this turn of events was both good and bad for the young Yoritomo. On the one hand, at the tender age of 12 he was now the head of his family, and as such, the master of one of the two most powerful warrior clans in the country. On the other hand, said family had lost a lot of its strength in its bid for power, and he himself was in the hands of Taira no Kiyomori. And yet, in the end, Yoritomo came out unscathed due to one of those funny accidents of history. Though Kiyomori had originally considered executing Yoritomo, his wife interceded and convinced Kiyomori that killing the boy would only make him into a martyr and force continuation of the war. Sparing him, on the other hand, would put Yoritomo in his debt. Yoritomo, aware that he owed his life and position to Kiyomori, would, by this logic, act deferentially towards his savior. This logic is far from a new invention. It's pretty common throughout history. For example, during the latter Roman civil wars, Julius Caesar used the exact same tactic against his political enemies, granting them clemency to put them in his debt, burnish his own image as a just man, and avoid making them into martyrs. Of course, Julius Caesar's story also ended with the men he'd spared stabbing him to death, and as we'll see, it didn't work out much better for Kiyomori. Yoritomo and the remaining members of the main Minamoto line were exiled east, setting up shop in the vicinity of modern Kamakura. The centerpiece of the modern city of Kamakura is the Tsurugaoka Hachiman Shrine, which was originally built by Yoritomo after his exile as a family shrine to his family's guardian deity, called Hachiman. His younger brothers and half-brothers, Yoshitomo, like all men of the time, had kept several concubines and fathered children by all of them, were allowed to join him. The only one we're worried about is the youngest brother, Yoshitsune. Minamoto no Yoshitsune was Yoritomo's half-brother, and was sent to Kurama Temple north of Kyoto and forced to join the local priestly order, the idea being to keep him out of politics for good. However, the boy proved irrepressibly interested in his warrior lineage, and developed a reputation as a ferocious fighter and skilled tactician. I mention him now only to say that he will come up in a big way later in the story. Getting back to Yoritomo. The area of Japan Yoritomo was exiled to was referred to, at the time, as Aizu Province, and was ruled by a family called the Hojo. The Hojo had been, up until that point, loyal followers of the Taira, and were in fact their distant relatives. So it was felt they could be trusted to keep an eye on the young Yoritomo. However, the head of the family, Hojo Tokimasa, proved a bit less interested in loyalty than in seizing an opportunity for personal aggrandizement. Tokimasa, taking the measure of Yoritomo and liking what he saw, decided to mentor the young boy and encourage him. The Hojo base in Aizu was far from the center of power. We don't know too much about what Tokimasa was thinking, but it seems pretty likely that he saw an opportunity to rise from the position of a middling family to considerably greater heights. In 1179, nearly 20 years after the exile, he married his daughter Hojo Masako to Yoritomo. 
sealing the two families together in a marriage alliance. For her part, Masako, in addition to being reportedly quite lovely, also proved to have a shrewd head for and keen interest in politics, and would accompany her new husband and give him advice throughout his life. Indeed, some have argued, though it is impossible to prove, that it was Masako and not Yoritomo who ran the day-to-day operations of the Minamoto family. Certainly, after her husband's death, Masako would prove to be an absolutely ferocious and terribly formidable politician, and, spoilers, she would eventually be the last man standing in the grand game of power politics surrounding the death of Minamoto no Yoritomo. It is not at all an overstatement to describe Hojo Masako as one of the most formidable women in the entirety of Japanese history. In 1180, things came to a head. The Taira, drunk on victory, had been steadily expanding their power and influence for the past 20 years, first purging their old Fujiwara allies, and then turning on and even imprisoning their supporters in the imperial family. Their former patron, the retired emperor Go Shirakawa, was placed under house arrest in the 1170s. In 1180, a young prince of the imperial family had had enough. His name was Mochihito, and he put out a call for support from the enemies of the Taira, accusing them of subverting the imperial government. Several Buddhist monasteries, which at this time controlled their own military forces, joined his rebellion, but they proved no match for professional Taira warriors. Mochihito was killed, and his rebellion was crushed. However, Mochihito's call to arms proved just the kind of incentive a hot-headed 30-something would need to go out and avenge his father. Only 33 at the time, Yoritomo was inclined to seize the moment, and Tokimasa, seeing the level of discontent brewing against the Taira, agreed to jump ship and support him. The two men began to subtly marshal support, and in 1181, Yoritomo went to his father's grave and announced the intention for vengeance before assembling his forces and marching on Kyoto. In this, he received aid from an unexpected quarter. His youngest brother, Yoshitsune, hearing of the start of the war, fled his monastic home and offered his services to his brother. Yoritomo put his youngest brother in command of an army, and Yoshitsune quickly proved to be a brilliant strategist. Eventually, Yoritomo would delegate much of the fighting of the actual war to his brother. Though they suffered some initial defeats by the Taira, none were severe enough to destroy the Minamoto forces, and early in the war, Taira no Kiyomori died of a fever, depriving the family of his leadership. As it became clear that the Minamoto were successfully resisting the hated Taira, more and more men flocked to their banner. By 1183, Yoritomo was powerful enough to assault Kyoto directly. In this he was preempted, however. His youngest cousin, Minamoto no Yoshinaka, raced ahead to seize the glory of taking the capital for himself, and the Taira, believing it to be indefensible, abandoned the city to him. Here's where we start to see some of Yoritomo's real ruthlessness come out, where we start to see the lessons of the 1150s really show through. He could not allow his cousin to take the city he was supposed to seize himself, both because it made him look bad and because holding Kyoto gave Yoshinaka enough political power to potentially challenge him for leadership of the Minamoto. Yoshinaka, for his part, seems to have been planning to do just that, forcing the sitting emperor to declare him shogun after sacking the city to head off potential resistance. 
Yoritomo sent his Mr. Fixit, Yoshitsune, with a big army to seize the city in 1184. The emperor defected to Yoshitsune, and Yoshitsune's forces drove out Yoshinaka and killed him. With the Minamoto now firmly back under his grip, Yoritomo sent Yoshitsune to finish the job, harrowing the Taira across the main Japanese island of Honshu, before smashing them in the final battle of what was now being called the Genpei War in 1185. Yoritomo took the lesson from his former foes that clemency did not work. After all, he himself had been spared, and had he been executed instead, he would not have been around to cause all this trouble for the Taira. He would not make the same mistake, and spared no one who could potentially rise to threaten him again, executing every member of the Taira he could get his hands on, including children. By 1185, only five years removed from the launching of his rebellion as the son of a defeated father and master of a humiliated clan, Minamoto no Yoritomo was, it appeared, on top of the heap. And yet his position was not that secure. He had proven to be a shrewd strategist and politician, but he himself was not very popular. Strategists and politicians tend not to be. His younger brother Yoshitsune was far more charismatic and popular than he was, and was considered, generally speaking, to be the rock upon which Minamoto victory had been built. Of course, it's not entirely unfair to say that, he had, after all, led the actual campaigns against the Taira, particularly the one that actually ended the war, but that still can't have felt good for Yoritomo to hear. As a result of his popularity, Yoshitsune came to look like a threat to his brother. His Hojo advisors, both his father-in-law Tokimasa and his wife Masako, began advising him to nip this potential issue in the bud, and in 1187, Yoritomo began planning his move. Yoshitsune saw it coming and fled north. In northern Japan, a branch of the Fujiwara family had taken advantage of the chaos to form a semi-independent state, and the ruler of that state offered to take Yoshitsune in. Two years later, however, the leader of this breakaway state that had been protecting Yoshitsune died, and his successor was not interested in challenging Yoritomo. He agreed to kill Yoshitsune, and attacked Yoshitsune and his followers in June 1189. In the end, Yoshitsune killed himself rather than surrender. Yoritomo also quietly bumped off his other brothers during this period, hoping to avoid any potential challenges to his legitimacy. Yoritomo now had unchallengeable power, and in 1192 he was recognized as shogun by the emperor. When he died seven years later in 1199, his legacy seemed secure. And yet, it turned out not to be. His eldest son, Yorie, succeeded him as shogun, but was only 18 at the time. Yorie chafed under the domineering control of his Hojo grandfather and mother, who had become a Buddhist nun after her husband's death. Both attempted to advise him in the same way they had his father. When Yorie proved intractable to their advice, as 18-year-olds tend to be, he suffered an accident in 1205 at the hands of his grandfather. Yorie's male children, there were three, were also either quietly assassinated or retired off into the priesthood where they could present no further threat. The position of shogun then went to Yoritomo's other son, Sanetomo. But Sanetomo proved no better at resisting the Hojo than his elder brother had. He was able to protect himself by allying himself with his mother, 
Hojo Masako, who was tired of taking orders from her father, and turned against him, launching a coup and seizing de facto control of the Hojo in 1215. Not that it did Sanitomo much good. He would be assassinated in 1219 by his own cousin, who was plotting to seize power for himself, being jumped and stabbed to death on his way out of the family shrine in Kamakura. Masako promptly had the cousin executed, ending Yoritomo's branch of the Minamoto once and for all. From this point until the fall of the Kamakura shogunate over a hundred years later, the position of shogun would be held by a series of powerless courtiers who were manipulated by the Hojo. So what's the takeaway of our story? Well, on one hand, I think this is a very interesting affirmation of what we talked about during the episode on the three unifiers. The kind of people who affect political change are not what you would call good people. Yoritomo was willing to kill his own brother to secure his power, and ordered the execution of all of the tyrants to secure his own legacy, including several children. In turn, his own legacy was undone after his death by the ruthlessness of the Hojo. It makes you wonder, do the kind of people who start shogunates, empires, or grand political crusades all share this kind of ruthlessness? Is that a prerequisite of political change? Certainly the lives of Yoritomo and his wife Masako seem to suggest that. This story also helps demonstrate the arbitrary nature of titles and dates when they're used in history. The perception of Minamoto no Yoritomo as the first shogun is so common that that's even what I entitled the episode. But he really was not. His cousin Yoshinaka was declared shogun before him, and before that, Kiyomori was de facto shogun even if he did not actually hold the title. That Minamoto no Yoritomo is considered the first shogun has less to do with the actual historical reality, and more to do with the fact that making him the first shogun helped legitimate the political power of the Hojo for the next century or so. So, this story helps us show how artificial the idea of periodization even is. The way we divide history is not necessarily based on any actual reality, and is much more influenced by political consideration than we're sometimes entirely aware of. Finally, I think before we close the story out, I'd like to talk a bit more about Masako. I think she's really the most interesting part of the story. When I started writing this tale, I had the image in my head of Yoritomo as a cold-blooded mastermind, but now I wonder how much he just happened to be in a position useful to his wife and her family. In the end, after all, Masako was the one who came out on top. Though after 1215 the country was nominally ruled by a shogun, the shogun was a puppet of the Hojo, and the Hojo were the puppet of Masako until her death in 1225. In the end, perhaps, Masako, and not Yoritomo, was the first shogun. Certainly her own contemporaries considered her to be such. After she overthrew her father's control of her family, she earned the nickname Ama Shogun, the nun shogun. It's an important reminder that while for most of history women held a nominally subordinate role, there were women who bucked that status and seized authority for themselves. Masako may not have had the title, but she had the power, and in the end, isn't that what really counts? That's all for this week. Thank you very much for listening. For more on this week's episode or any other episode, check out the podcast webpage at www.historyofjapan.wordpress.com. 
or our Facebook page at facebook.com slash historyofjapan. You can also use either of those methods to submit ideas for future episodes. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next time. <laughs>